Thank you for listening. This is Brett Trainer, your host for Hardwired for Growth, a podcast where we strive to help entrepreneurs and business owners not only grow their businesses, but scale them. We do this by having conversations with industry experts and the entrepreneurs who have successfully scaled their own businesses. Statistics show that only 5% of all startups ever achieve annual revenue of a million dollars and less than 1% reach 10 million. Our mission is to help more than double the number of companies that reach each of those thresholds. In this episode, I have a conversation with Brandon Matika. Brandon is the CEO and founder of Sales and Marketing Inc., a growth agency that is dedicated to taking out the confusion out of sales and marketing. He has helped hundreds of companies reach new levels of success. Brandon is also a mentor and a business coach at the University of Iowa. In this episode, Brandon takes us deep into the why and the how of product market fit and why this is the first step with any company he works with. We also have a conversation about the importance of validating if your product or service has an actual need in the marketplace. Brandon also will share a number of success stories as well as one notable failure. Now, on to the intro. Welcome back. You're listening to Hardwired for Growth, a podcast dedicated to helping entrepreneurs and business owners who are looking for sustainable and scalable growth strategies, led by your host, Brett Trainer. Hey, welcome to the show, Brandon. I've been looking forward to this uh, conversation for quite a while. Hey, I appreciate the opportunity. It's good to hear from you. Likewise. So you're joining us all the way from, is it sunny Nashville, Tennessee, or just Nashville, Tennessee? Oh, no, it's it's sunny. It's sunny and warm, and I love it. Yeah, that's good. Here in Chicago today, when we're recording this, we've got snow flurries um, after back-to-back days of near 70 degrees and sunny, so... Definitely springtime in Chicago. So enjoy. <laughs> oh, I will. I will. So, hey, Brandon, the best way, what, what would be the best way you tell people what you do? I always like to, versus titles, uh, get into the discussion with more about, you know, wh- what do you do? I typically start with I'm a business coach, but for some, I can be a business doctor. So, typically, the business coach side of it, Companies, you know, that are, are kind of growing organically, sometimes they want to know, okay, how can I grow quicker? And that's where I can be a really good business coach. Go through, answer questions, put some guardrails up, and help them get them on that road. For some, and actually probably the majority of my clients, something's wrong. And most of the time, they don't really know what's wrong. So... I like to say a business doctor because a lot of it does take some, you know, let's do some testing and some diagnosis and let's figure out, okay, what's a good treatment plan to help turn this company around. So the first goal is to grow. The second goal is to get stability, right? Exactly. So that's probably the best way to describe what I do. (laughs) I actually really like that. I may have to steal that when we're not working together, but (laughs) go for it. But, but you're right. It is all about understanding the business and to grow. And I know one of our, our favorite topics when we get together is, is talking about kind of the entry right into the game is you have to understand product market fit. And I know that's a big word and we'll, we'll drill down specifically what that means to you and and kind of talk about it. But, you know, to me, this, the topic that we're going to talk about today, you know, should apply to business of any size, any age, any maturity that's, that's looking to grow their business. You know, one of the stats that still jumps out to me is, 
you know, 43% of all businesses fail because of the lack of a product market fit. What jumps out to me is, you know, how did you start a business if you didn't understand what the, the product market fit was? So, so that's why I was excited to have you on today to really kind of dig into, you know, what does that mean and how should companies that are looking not only to grow, but scale their businesses, you know, look at this. So if they haven't started, right, if they're just thinking about a business, how can they take a look at the market size and is there enough opportunity for them to scale? But I think majority of the audience is focused. They've, they've already got some clients that are in business. They're not getting to the goals they want to. And like I said, we can, we can dive into, you know, the what to do and maybe more importantly, the what not to do. So being said, if you wouldn't mind, just uh, what's your definition or what's your point of view on, on product market fit? It's something that can't be done quickly. I'm going to start off with that. So business owners, they're visionaries. That's probably the best way to, you know, to classify a business owner is that they have this vision. They have something that they want to create and they want to create it so bad that sometimes they could ignore the obvious. So product market fit is typically the way I view it is you've gone out and you've talked to your target market. You've talked to who you want to sell to and they have told you, yes, Brett, I want to buy your product and you, you need that. You need that insight and you can't have it from just one person. You need it from a lot of people. So, you know, how do you start? Well, the product market fit typically begins with some sort of consumer insight. It's you getting out of your office, going out and talking to real people and asking them, what are your pain points? How painful are they? And if I created something, service or product, would it solve your problem? And without that dialogue, right, it's hard to have that right product market fit. Yeah, I was going to agree. And I think that's something to, to, to focus on a little bit, what you said about solving problems, right? I know sometimes they take the oversimplistic approach that, you know, what problems are you solving for the customers? How do you do it? How do you do it differently? And do you have proof points, right? So or that's kind of what it is. But I think too often it's at least quite a few of the founders I've worked with, the, the natural inclination is here's the features and benefits of either my product or service. Do you want to buy it? Taking a step back and saying, Hey, this is how I can help either solve or enhance or help drive more value to your potential customers. Exactly. No, it's, I have a, a probably a really good example. I think you would like, unfortunately it ended, it, it did end badly for this company, but they're a distillery. They produced a variety of things one of which was vodka. And if anyone out there listening has ever worked in a beverage business or a vodka business, you know how difficult it can be to make a name for yourself. But this company was determined. They were going to make a high-end vodka that executives were going to want to drink. You know, not just, it wasn't going to be like Tito's. It was going to be 10 times better than Tito's. So this is going to speak to, so listen, you know, hang on. It's going to, this is going to circle back around. So product market fit, right? Imagine you're a vodka company and you have this, you've created a product. 
you send it out to market and then all your friends and family buy it. You think it's a great product. And then you kind of keep that train rolling for a good six months and then your family stops buying it. And then what do you do? Right. And this is typically where companies go, I'm just going to stick to my guns. I'm just going to keep doing what I've been doing. Right. What they, just to clarify for our non-drinkers, the, the vodka space is is highly competitive, right? From you mentioned Tito's, and I think there's a new brand called New that's kind of going after the lower end. Oh yeah, quality. But there's a slew of premium vodka brands out there, right? Oh, just tons, just tons. There's actually a high number. It's like you know a quarter of all drinks made are vodka, or it's like a half of all drinks. Crazy stat about it. So the issue was is they hit that mark. They hit that six month mark and then they decided they're going to just keep doing what they're doing. They weren't going to ask for the product market fit. They weren't going to go out and ask people about the product. I came along a year later. So they still did what they were doing for a year and a half. And when I showed up, I asked, have you actually gone and had people taste this vodka and have you gotten real feedback from real people? Because friends and family are going to tell you it's great all day long. Right, right. So what we did is we tested it, just had conversations with people. We, we asked 100 people, is this vodka better than the competition, which we use Tito's as the competition. And 85% of the people chose Tito's. It was, you know, again, blind taste test. They didn't know which vodka was which, but they chose Tito's as a better option. So not only were they going after the premium market, they, they couldn't even win a taste test with the, what would you call Tito's? The, the standard. Yeah. I call them a standard. Yeah. So what happened was we looked at, okay, how can we fix this? So another, a little bit more color to it. This vodka was $10 more than Tito's. Okay. So it's one of those things to where you're like, okay, what do people look for in vodka? So we asked, we went out and we asked another hundred people, okay, what do you want in vodka? And we got the same results. They want no taste and they want it cheap. Interesting. <laughs> and this company wasn't meeting either of those criteria. And the result was for them to change their, the taste of their vodka, to rebrand, to relabel, to do all those things, it would cost too much. And the investors backed out. So that is a potential cost of not going out and just doing your homework to begin with, right? right? So if they did that to begin with, they took, you know, three to six months to do their homework first, they would have known, okay, people don't like our vodka. We got to make a new mixture, right? Exactly. We got to keep doing this to where we taste better. So yes, it's a sad story. You know, a company, the investors lost money the owners, it lost their vision, right? Right. So that's what could happen if you don't really look at product market fit. Yeah. And I think too, even though they did cost them or they lost money in the long run, you probably saved them money by getting, getting to know quicker in the sense that, right, maybe we can't compete at this scale on the premium brand and we don't want to go into the value or the standard that you know, you're right. If they would have done that six months ago or earlier on in their inception, it would have saved them time, money, and effort. But by working with you, at least they were able to get to know because they were probably still on a path for another three, six months until they ran out of money, I guess. Right. Exactly. 
Exactly. Interesting. Yeah. So I, I love that part of it, especially when you do have customers. Cause my other big takeaway in this area is don't assume <laughs> your customers are buying for the reasons you think they're buying. Exactly. That's kind of the, the piece, but before I get away, get into kind of that customer analysis, you know, one of the, the other topics we were talking about that I think, you know, and I've heard not just from, you know, the upfront, product market fit was really having a goal and vision for your business. And when I talk to companies about scaling, it's like, well, what does scale mean to you, right? That you get the traditional, you know, from hustle to a million dollars or to 10 million or 25 million, the various thresholds that people define scale. But I think this step back is, you know, define what do you want to get to, right? So if you want to build that company, you want to go to a million dollars, right? Is the is the market even big enough for you to get to that point? And two, you know, how much, the other thing I see a lot of is, you know, how much of it do you have to sell <laughs> to get it? Exactly. So, so maybe you could, could dig into that. Cause I think, you know, when we were talking, wow, probably a year ago, that became one of the, the areas of focus with your business is really just getting business owners to outline what their objectives are. Exactly. And that part, can be tricky. It can be tricky because like you said before, typically people are going to go to a business and say, you need goals and objectives. And those can change pretty quickly, you know, especially the vision, right? Like you go through, you have a couple of conversations with people and you're like, Oh gosh, like everything's wrong. Like I'm targeting the wrong people or my product's not right. It needs to be better. And all of a sudden your goals and objectives have completely changed. So typically we have to go through and say, okay, what is the core vision that you're picturing outside of just revenue, right? Like, where do you see yourself? How many employees? Like, what kind of space are you working in? Like, really, you have to visualize it and visualize, visualize some of the things that aren't just tied to revenue. So typically, that visualization needs to go, again, outside of just, okay, how much money am I going to make? Make it bigger make it much bigger. Cause again, things are going to adjust and change. And it isn't so much just the vision we're going for either. It's, we have to determine what are the essential things that I need to do to make my business successful. And part of that, I guess, is defining what is success for you. I think you touched on that a little bit earlier, right? But what, what is your vision for this business? Exactly. Success. Okay. Exactly. Cause you know, some people, they want to hit a certain amount of helping clients and they're okay with staying with that number. Right. Right. You know, some companies want to help just 50 people a year and then that's it. While other companies want to keep growing and scaling and growing and scaling completely different objectives. So with that in mind, whatever your vision is, you have to go through and say, okay, how, what are the essential pieces that I have to do to get there? And some of that might actually might require getting someone else involved other than just you. Right. Yeah. Uh, no, I think that's a, that's a really good point. And, you know, it's, it's funny. We share a lot of not same customers, but same uh, type of business owners. And, it, and maybe you see this, maybe you don't. The, the vast majority that I talk to actually do want to build a company. That's one of the questions. Yeah. It's a lifestyle yeah. brand. This is something that you can, you can do very well and be successful, but it's not, you're not going to put an infrastructure around it to, to necessarily scale. You may operationalize some things, but so if we're looking at the scale piece, you know, one of the 
big questions that the entrepreneurs or founders come up with is I don't know what I need to hire. Right. And so maybe you could unpack that a little bit that you're getting to that point that you can no longer, you've hustled your way to capacity, you know, kind of what's next. And I know there's not a silver bullet, but kind of talk about your approach and, and how you work with customers when they get to that point. That part, especially when they're trying to go from growing to scaling. So typically you need four roles in a business. You have your visionary, but the visionary will have a difficult time growing a company because they're already thinking about the next best thing, right? So a lot of business owners, this actually might even refer to us. They have a great idea. They'll work on it for a couple of months, but then a better idea comes up and they, they leave the old one behind. So typically they get that idea kind of, you know, to reality, you need a second person called some sort of executor, right? And that executor just makes sure th things get done and that original vision doesn't get left behind. So typically to grow, I would say you need two people. So for a solo business owner, typically this would mean you need someone to hold you accountable. Someone to make sure that that vision isn't left behind. To scale, you need a third person or a third role to start optimizing everything. So this could be someone who could be a systemizer, optimizer. There needs to be a role to take what the visionary and the executor are doing and make it more efficient. And that's what's going to scale, right? That's what's going to scale a business. To put it simply, your income is based on how many people you're helping and how well you do it. So you need the third person to help systemize it so you can do it for more people, thus you can scale. So that's going to be expansions, replication, all those things to help take that business from a $100,000 business to a million dollar business okay. quicker, right? You're right. No, that makes a lot of sense. And what's the, uh, what's the fourth role? The fourth role is someone there to help the three play nice. Okay. So the systemizer... So for example, I just ran into an issue with a company I'm going through this process with the visionary, like spending money, company money, whenever they want, right? They're the owner, they're the founder. They've been owning this business for years. So if they want to go buy company equipment, they just go do it. The systemizer, however, or the optimizer is going to look at that and say, whoa, you got to fill out a purchase order before you do that and kind of set the stage for everyone else, right? the CEO is not going to like that. They're going to be like, well, you know, I don't want to follow those rules. It's my business, but it's essential for those processes to be followed. So the fourth person is typically some sort of HR role to go, okay, let's talk about this. Let's bring down the tension and let's explain each other's sides. So that's typically the fourth role you would need Got to scale correctly. I think that makes a lot of sense. And if you think you know, back to what we were talking about with goals and objectives, and probably more importantly with the vision. I've read some statistics, and I can't remember where I saw it offhand, that the number, I said the number one killer was product market fit, but what really stalls out what you could call legendary management teams are not a shared vision. So I think that would be the one piece I'd add to that is yeah. everybody's got to be on the same page. Or you can, I think they said you could have the four smartest people in the room, but if they're not all pushing and aligned towards the, the same direction, you're, they're not going to get there. Hey, I, speaking of this, um, the visionary executioner, there's a, a book called Rocket Fuel. I don't know if you've, you've heard it or seen it. 
I have actually, yeah. Gino Wick and Mark Mark Winters is actually going to be a guest on this show in in a couple of weeks, and he's also a big believer in those two complementary roles, right? The visionary and the yes, right, yes, and to get that. So, no, excellent. This is really good. Thank you. And as you're starting to look at that, where majority of what do you see first? Mostly the visionaries, and then helping the visionary with getting to the the execution piece. Yeah, it depends on again the business where they're at. Depends if I'm a business coach or a doctor. Okay. Typically, if I'm a coach, I'm systemizing it. If I'm a doctor, I'm the one being the, the executor. You know, the one actually getting things done. So that kind of goes to again that vision, right? Like setting. I keep saying, you know, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but I'm going to put some guardrails up. And typically, what that is is again. You have a vision in place, but what is each person in the company doing to further that vision? And this comes back, I think I mentioned before, what are the essential items you need for success? Okay. I know probably in our field, you know, B2B space, we mentioned these as KPIs, you know, those key performance indicators. What are the essential items each department needs to do to equal success? So kind of for example purposes, one of my clients who just hit a million, by the way. Excellent. Welcome to the club. Exactly. Yep. I, I've talked about that, that the, there's less than 5% of all startup companies, regardless of you know, B2C, B2B, technology, you know, less than 5% actually get to that 1 million mark. So yep. Milestone. So. Oh, this is huge. Like the last time I was there was for, you know, like QBR, a quarterly business review. Uh-huh. They're scaling to hit it or they did hit it. And it's just like, let's go like let's get ice cream drinks, et cetera. So to get there, when I first showed up, the company was a little bit of chaos. They had incredible people, just incredible people, but they all were doing their own. They all had their own agendas. They're all doing their own things. So the first thing I had to do was again, set the vision from the CEO. Okay. Like what's this company actually trying to achieve? And once we had that in place, we built those key performance indicators for each department. So for the, to further this vision, I need you to do this and I need you to increase these numbers or to increase this percentage or to lower these expenses or to do this and do that. Right. Like it added focus to everyone. So what we saw was between Q4 of last year to Q1 of this year, after implementing those changes was a 47% increase in revenue. Nothing else changed other than focusing on those, those metrics. Exactly. So no new websites, no new sales teams or customer service teams or inbound teams, none of that. No new marketing collateral, no press releases, nothing. All we did was we had the right people in the right roles focusing on the right essential business items. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm a huge believer in getting getting that process right. I know we're making it sound a little bit simple, but it doesn't have to be overly complicated, right? If, if yes. The big, the big rocks now as they continue to scale and grow, then you can obviously refine and, and look at different metrics as you go. But no, I think that makes a lot of sense. So, And also, just to circle back quickly on the four roles, I think... You know, so we're we're clear with folks. They don't have to go hire you know three additional people. Exactly, partners. You know, like yourself, that can come in and fill certain roles as they're starting to build out the the infrastructure. Exactly. So yeah, for a startup, again, they're not going to have money 
to hire someone else, right? That are, they don't want to split their company profitability with a second partner. A lot of people, they just want to do it by themselves. I totally get it. That's what I did. You know, my company right now, three years old, I've, I've built it to what it is now just by myself. So part of that is you do need some sort of accountability. Again, as a visionary, you can get pulled in a lot of directions and it's even more important to have somebody keep you on track for those essential items. Another example, I'm working with a company now, they're brand new. They started last fall and they don't have that accountability partner. So the owner, what the owner should have been doing was building a portfolio. They needed to build probably five to 10 more clients in Q1 to again, show the value, show to future customers, Hey, I can do my job. I can prove the value that I offer. Instead, what they did was they built a new marketing automation platform in a CRM because they wanted to quote unquote increase efficiency, but that wasn't essential for business success. It was a thing they wanted to do because they thought it was cool. Right. It wasn't essential. So if you're a solo business owner, you have to figure out what is essential for my growth, for my success, and have someone hold you accountable to making sure those get done. Otherwise, you just, you won't succeed. You won't grow. Um, You'll be kept in that flywheel, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like your cash. Exactly. You got it. All right. That's a, this is actually a good transition to the you know, the third piece that I wanted to talk about today, which, you know, goes back to customer insights, right? Yeah. We, a lot of companies give this lip service or we do a, a survey and you know, what, what I'm talking about. And I think which what you'll get into is really listening to your customers, not only yeah. from, you know, why did they buy from you? And this can be done through, the current business team, but I would, my recommendations, third parties will give you more unbiased <laughs> information, Oh yeah, but not just, you know, one loss analysis, but also the customer experience dealing and buying with your company. So once you, uh, I know that that's something also near and dear to your heart to take us through that. It does come down to as a business owner, you need to understand who you're selling to like just so much. A buddy of mine, he created a, a successful business that that sold to nurses. And he got so involved with the product or service that was, you know, directed towards nurses that he actually ended up marrying one because he was so tied into talking to them and getting to know them. And he ended up finding his wife that way. So it's one of those things where if you're a business owner, I want you to think about, okay, who are you targeting? You know, who is that person? Who's that target market? And I want you to describe that target market to somebody. And if you're going through and you're describing their age, their education, their income, like demographic, that's great. That's who you're targeting. But you also need to know what that person wants. When do they want it? Where are they looking? And then why are they buying from you? If you don't answer the rest of those questions, the who doesn't really help you that much, right? Uh, you're absolutely right. Yeah, it's what back to our initial, right? What problems are you solving? Exactly, exactly. It's, you know, if you want to use an example around it, if, for example, you're, you're cutting hair and you know exactly who you're going to reach out to, it's, you know, typically, you know, it could be any range, 30 to 40 years old. And you went up to somebody and you said, 
hey, I want to cut your hair right now. Well, if their hair isn't long, it's not what they want, right? They're going to say, no, I, I don't want a haircut. They're not going to buy. Even though if you would have asked them a month later, they might say yes, which then refers to the when. But if you're going up to them on the street with a pair of scissors and you say, hey, your hair is long and you know you kind of want a haircut now, can I cut your hair on the sidewalk? They're going to say no, like this isn't the right place. But even if you did have them in all the right places, they're in a, you know, some sort of salon, their hair is long, you know, it's the right time, but you're not the right person. You haven't proven your qualifications. You haven't answered the why. So that's a, you know, again, that's a really dumb example of how important it is to answer those questions because even for a complicated product, those questions get harder to answer. You have to prove more. Right. No, I think that that makes a lot of sense. And even, you know, looking at this podcast, right. When I would the initial thought for it was just uh, another startup podcast. How do I help businesses grow their business? But the deeper I got, the more it was refined to, all right, it's really targeted towards owners that are looking to scale their business. So how do I go from that one, two, three to the million dollars? So that's kind of that threshold. Yep. I'm not defining it as, you know, it's a 33 year old male, you know, that came from the, the tech industry. I really am trying to focus this on those buyers or listeners that are looking to solve that scale problem. So yep. coming different, I know that's a sh- kind of a shift from our, they're really thinking on buyer personas and there's still definitely some value in them. But, but I think to your point, if you can walk it back from the problems you're solving and then narrow it, I think that's going to take you much further down the path. So the target market part, yeah, it's, that's the the best place to start. You know, if you're a startup or even if you're a small business now and you're like, hey, I want to scale to a million. If you don't have those who, what, when, where, why answered, you're never, it's not never, it's likely you will not make it to the goal you're reaching for, which could be a million, right? Because if those aren't addressed, those aren't kind of documented, your marketing message isn't going to be defined. And, you know, I don't want to make it seem like if you answer those five questions, that's all you need to do. You still need to look at your competition, right? You got to make sure that you're different in the market, that you're providing value that's better than someone else. You have to be number one or number two, you know, no one cares about number three. So answer those five questions, figure out what's important to your target market, figure out how you can be better, how you can innovate more than the competition. And that tells you what you need to prove in your marketing. Where do I need to spend my money to prove I'm better? And if you can do that, you're going to be more effective. You're going to be more efficient. And, and it's going to give yourself your best chance to succeed. Right? Exactly. I mean, there's exactly. more companies that just grow by more luck than anything else. Those are so rare that, you know, I think following your advice and this kind of outline or, or checklist will give you the best opportunities. You may answer some unanswered questions or give you some guidance where, where you need to go, you need to go deeper. So exactly for the listeners, I will have a list of those within the, the show notes. So unless you're feverishly writing those down, I will have them when we recap. So, oh, that was awesome. All right. I know we're, we're coming up on our time and I want to be mindful of your time. So I, I really did appreciate this today, Brandon. I think you will get a lot of value from it, but I do like to end with what we call our lightning round or a closing time questions. It's a, a chance for our listeners to get to know you a little bit better. So, sure. You ready? I, I think I am. <laughs> All right. So the first one is what do you like to do when you're not helping businesses grow? I like to golf. 
Are you any- if, if any, uh, no, nah. <laughs> uh, no. Um, especially this year, it hasn't been a, the best starting year, but it's been nice. I'm hoping it, to bring my rounds a little lower. <laughs> Is that the real reason you moved to Nashville? It, it helps. Yes, it helps a lot. Excellent. All right. The second one is what is one thing you would highly recommend? This be more towards, well, I guess it could apply to anybody. Anything you want. Okay. So one thing, especially for business owners, is that you need to take care of yourself mentally. If you are not balanced mentally, it's hard to grow a business. Because, and this could be a whole other podcast, it's all about being authentic and being yourself at your business. If you're not balanced men- mentally to where you're feeling stressed, you're feeling overwhelmed, that reflects in how you treat customers or your employees or even your friends and family. So it's so important that if you need to take time for yourself to reset or to just feel better, please do that. It will help you so much more in the long run to just take care of yourself mentally. I completely agree with that. I would even add the physical aspect too, whether it's just walks or running or some sort of exactly physical activity to help you know, keep the body body and mind yep. as you're, you're progressing towards your goals. And I think more and more of the research is showing, you know, those successful entrepreneurs may be doing yoga or meditation, yeah. something outside of the 16 hours of hustle to, to, to try to keep some of that balance. Yep. All right. And last call, what is your drink or beverage of choice? Is this uh, alcoholic or not alcoholic? You, whatever. What's your go-to? Yeah, All right. I just brought up the vodka, but. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty basic. Uh, Coke or Dr. Pepper to make alcoholic, add some captain and I'm good. <laughs> wrong with the captain? That's for sure. Excellent. All right. Well, Brandon, this is uh, very interesting and, and insightful. And I'm sure, like I said, the audience has gotten a lot of value from it. Is Good. There anything else you want to discuss before we wrap this up? No, I, this is great. Uh, just a thank you to you for including me on this. And anybody out there, have a wonderful time and many wishes for success for your business. That's coming from the, the doctor. And, and yes. those lines, Brandon, if there is anyone interested in learning more about you and the work you do, you know, where, where's the best place for people to find you? If you're listening, I'm going to treat you like family. Always feel free to call my cell, 815-997-4882. If you want to you know, kind of view a little more general information about my business, you can find it at salesandmarketingus.com. My business is called Sales and Marketing Incorporated. You should find me there. And I'm assuming you're on LinkedIn as well. I am. Okay. I am. Links to all of that. Brave man putting in your phone, but I will verify that he does pick up. So (laughs) (laughs) if I don't leave me a message and I'll get back to you. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks again, Brandon. And uh, we'll speak to you soon. Sounds great. Appreciate it, bro. You've been listening to Hardwired for Growth. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player or visit brettrainer.com. That's B-R-E-T-T, followed by his last name, T-R-A-I-N-O-R.com. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.